the good songs, the words are a poem. Just think of something as simple as uh, My Favorite Things by Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Actress and singer Julie Andrews. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Julie Andrews made her debut as a singer and actress in London in 1948. She first appeared on Broadway in 1954. But for audiences of many millions all over the world, Julie Andrews may be best known as either Mary Poppins or Maria Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. A deer, a female deer, Ray, a drop of golden sun. I met her in the fall of 2009 when she and her daughter, Emma Walton Hamilton, had co authored a book about poems, songs, and lullabies. So, here now from 2009, Julie Andrews. The two of you have done many books before this, haven't you? You're, you're, you're quite a collaborative team by now. I think this is our 18th book together. And we've also written uh, singly, but uh, together we've done 18 books. That's right. I think you've also done four children's books on your own and your autobiography. And my memoir, yeah. yeah. Well, I have, to, I have to confess, in this day and age of Mommy Dearest and you know, children growing up and despising their parents, what a great pleasure it is to see not just writing partners, but happy and thriving and drawing on each other's energy writing partners. Oh, that's that's nice of you to say, and it's actually true. It is true. <laughs> happy, happy to report it's true. And I think I, for one, would highly recommend writing with your mom if you have any issues, because it's a, it's a wonderful uh, way to get away from anything else that might interfere in a mother-daughter relationship. We've our happy discovery has been finding that being creative together removes us from family dramas and complaints about aches and pains and the news of the world and what have you and just gives us time to play together creatively and I think that's probably the best medicine for a good relationship that you can it come is. by. It is and it's been a, a great gift for me because uh, to I mean to have had Emma as a young young daughter and now to have her as a, a woman uh, that faces me and when we work together we uh, complement each other with different strengths uh, uh, and it is a great pleasure. There's enormous respect, I think, for each other's uh, ideas. And if one of us is very, very firmly entrenched about something, the other usually listens, I think. Um, if you're really uh, passionate. passionate about something, I have to say there must be something there because Emma feels this strongly and vice versa. And it has, so far, it has really worked. I found one of the most telling comments that either of you has made so far is on the CD that comes with this book when you said that you were delighted to find that the poems, the, the songs, the lullabies that you chose were often identical, even though you apparently compiled separate lists. <laughs> well, we did. We started by compiling separate lists, and many of our choices were, of course, identical because, of, because it is a reflection of our family favorites, and they are the poems that my grandfather and grandmother read to my mom when she was a little girl, and that therefore then she read to me, and, and now I read to my kids. So that wasn't so much of a surprise. But what was a surprise was, I think, from time to time, one of us would bring something new to the table, uh, and we would always 
have a, a simultaneous yes or a eh, exactly. maybe not. You know. <laughs> yeah. um, More often, though, it was really uh, some of the wonderful um, Rachel Field, Jack Prelutsky, um Wendy Cope. Yes, Wendy Cope. Wonderful uh, poets uh, that, that we just felt so happy to include in our book. I had frankly forgotten that A.A. A. Milne was a poet as well as oh. the, the Winnie the Pooh author. Oh, the best poems. Now We Are Six. When we were very young and Now We Are Six, those are just treasured yes. anthologies of their own. I think we own. have about three. We do have three A.A. Mills in the book. We do, and he is truly one of our family favorites, I think. I mean, those yeah. poems are just classic. I also appreciate that you have deliberately, I gather, blurred the line between song, poem, lullaby, because sometimes those boundary lines are, are very fuzzy. You know, for me, there's just no contest. The, the lyrics to some of the beautiful songs that I've had the pleasure of singing and or that I've always wanted to sing uh, had to be included because really, if you think about it, um, the good songs, the, the words are a poem. Um, just think of something as simple as uh, My Favorite Things by Rogers and Hammerstein, you know, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens and... Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of my favorite things That's, it's wonderfully evocative and then go from there and some of the songs that I've included in the book and, and I was very passionate that I'd be allowed to in, include songs and some of them are, are unusual, I, I hope um, I For think instance, you, you, the Stephen Sondheim song, Not While I'm Around, out of context, is a beautiful lullaby if you think of it as that, or a beautiful poem. But of course, in the context that it's written in the show of Sweeney Todd that it comes from, it has a whole other slightly darker meaning. But it is, in fact, a beautiful lullaby. And, and one of the things that I think you wanted to do was suggest new alternatives for lullabies. I did. And also, I wanted... Uh, parents and children to discover lyrics and words before recognizing that perhaps that was a song. Um, there's a beautiful song uh, that I use in the book called My Ship. It's a song that I've sung myself and I love it. It's beautiful words. Kurt Weill, <clears throat> Kurt Weill and um, Ira Gershwin wrote the lyric. And I just wanted everybody to discover how beautiful it is and then realize afterwards that a beautiful melody accompanies that as well. I gather, though, that it would be a mistake for any bookstore clerk to just throw this on the children's bookshelf and assume that it's only for children because, I don't know, I'm not, I haven't been a child in a long time, but I've thoroughly enjoyed this book. Oh, thank That's you, That's so kind of you. That's been the great happy surprise. Um, I think, you know, we weren't necessarily thinking about this as being something for all ages. When we wrote it, we were asked to write a family, to put together a family treasury, which we happily did. But the feedback since the book has come out in the past few weeks has been uniformly multi-generational. And that's been the great, great pleasure and surprise. We, we, we hear about people who have given the gift to their grandparents or to their uh, great aunt, so and so. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Or their teacher or... Uh, you know, that it's being enjoyed by by all different ages. And, and if you think about it, in the best of all possible worlds, it is a family thing because uh, if a mother reads to her child, if, if a grandparent gives it to a beloved daughter uh, or granddaughter, um, it, it, you can't help but include all the family. Um, it, it just does sort of spread across the generations, especially if you read the poems to each other. 
the only thing that made me a little self-conscious was I can't read the poetry as well as the two of you do on the CD. And now, you know, if I play it for my grandkids and they're going to get all spoiled and they're going to say, oh, can you read us? And, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound like a newscaster reading it, you know, instead of a, a, instead of a, a, re, a poetry I'm, reading. I'm not sure I completely buy what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that we've passionately believe in is is the power and the value of read aloud and poetry is the best read aloud there is i mean it is just such a wonderful opportunity to get kids excited about language and and to to appreciate the the magic and the power of words in a short period of time especially in this era of sound bites and digital games and you you it can capture a child's imagination very quickly and turn them on in a second about something and make them feel warm and fuzzy or laugh aloud or but there's a great difference when you read a poem on the page quietly to yourself uh, and when you read it out loud or hear it out loud. And we really were so happy that Little Brown allowed us to include that CD because it, it's so important to have that added dimension when you're sharing poetry uh, as And a we have subsequently uh, done the book on audio, which was a revelation for us because we I had not realized how beautiful some of the poems are read aloud. They take on an extra dimension when they're spoken. Do you suppose that there there must be something that we are innately born with, that even the youngest babies can recognize a rhythm of voice and understand some kind of syntax, even at some basic level. You know, I think it starts with a heartbeat, essentially. I think when we're in utero, uh, we hear a heartbeat, and that's a rhythm. And I think that we are, by nature, rhythmic Unconsciously so, maybe. rhythmically oriented. And, and, And we say at the beginning of the anthology... Think back to the things you might remember, the earliest things you might remember, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, P. Well, it rhymes. You remember it. It has a certain rhythm. How did you learn the alphabet? It was the, easy, you, it was the easiest way to commit it to memory because it had rhythm and a sort of sing-song quality. And it's true of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or... Or how about the first poem that I learned, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep? Yes, exactly. And I think the resonance is unconsciously, it has a rhythm and it does capture the imagination, whether you know it or not. This must have been just so much fun. It was, I, I, it's hard work putting together a book like this, I'm sure, but it's a fun kind of work I'm gathering. It's been a joy, and it's been a revelation for us, because uh, I must say, when we first began, we wondered what kind of contribution we ourselves could make. We could offer any number of um, suggestions and thoughts and beloved poems, but, but what would our contribution be? And it is, funnily enough, it is our contribution is shaped by the choices we made and the chapters we chose and and I have to say the extraordinary art that's in the book too has helped make it very special. Yes, James McMullen's paintings are so luminous and um, there's just over a hundred original paintings that accompany these wonderful poems which give it a whole other dimension that I think, you know, is enriches the whole experience. But it really was a wonderful discovery and I think for us, well for me, I, I can certainly say that we as a family have always been poetry lovers, and we've always used poetry in our family as a way to um, commemorate special events and honor transitions and so forth. Um, that's always been a, a part of our lives, and we've often written poems as gifts for one another and, and still do. But 
putting this collection together, I think, really helped me come to a new appreciation for the the um, the muscles of poetry, to if you will, to to actually make you think a little bit, or raise a question, or or touch tug the heartstrings, mm-hmm. or calm yourself, calm yeah. your soul, whatever it may be. It, poetry has a unique ability, I think, to make us view the world a little differently than we did before we read one. My father used to uh, commit poems to memory, and whenever he felt lonely, whenever he felt a little lost or whatever, he would just conjure one up and recite it, and he said he found it, he felt like he had a friend that he was carrying with him all the time. There's a poem in the book called um, Put a Poem in Your Pocket, and uh, that's exactly sort of what he did, excepting he committed it to memory. I think another great joy for us with this book has been that we've been able to combine all our passions, the passion for art, the passion for poetry, the passion for music of poetry, um, the music behind some of the poems which we know and hope people will discover, and the actual things like the binding, the quality of paper, um, all and packaging it with a CD so that all the things that Emma and I are passionate about have come together in one book. And Hopefully for a, for a pleasurable sensory experience all around. <laughs> all around. But it, it, to us it makes a difference. And uh, it's something we've tried to do with so many of our books. And it's a joy that this one really worked. It came together. And don't forget the sense of smell. The book smells so fresh <laughs> and new. Don't you love the smell of new books? Yes, I do. I do. Tomorrow, October 1st, will be Julie Andrews's 85th birthday. Have you subscribed yet to Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, another episode that's sure to please my baby boomer and Gen X listeners, my 1995 conversation with Captain Kangaroo himself, Bob Keeshan. I really have more fun talking to the adults, yesterday's children, now grown up, and they're able to say things to me that are very meaningful, like, you know, you were always a good friend, you started the day out right for me, you made me feel good about myself. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.